Thanks, Johnny. Um, let me pray again. Father, um, please would you help us this afternoon as we look at um, this true story. Um, help us to listen to what you have to say to us. Um, Lord, please would you lift our eyes um, out of what's going on right now and onto the truth of Jesus. Lord, would that be the lens by which we see all that goes on? Amen. I want to ask you a question to answer in your head for 10 seconds. Do you believe that God is in complete control, meticulously providing every circumstance for your good? My guess is, if you are a Christian in the room, you'd tend towards answering that question yes. And my hope is, if you're sat in the room and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, that the book of Ruth might help you to answer that question yes. But I'm sure that for many of us, there'll be a slight question in our mind. God's meticulous providence for our good. Really? In all things? That wasn't the first thing that came to my mind when we arrived back at Heathrow without our bags the other day. It's not been the first thing that comes to mind as I've phoned the garage multiple times over the last six weeks uh, as they've not been mending our car. And, and they're two small, trivial things. Maybe in your ten seconds, you thought about real tragedy a real heartache. God providing all circumstances for good? What I want to propose to you this afternoon is that in the next four weeks, as we look at the book of Ruth, we are going to hear God say to us that not only is the answer to that question yes, God is in complete control of every circumstance for the good of his people, but actually when we're really struggling to see how it's good, when it feels like life is a mess, we can be helped to trust in a faithful God. The book, as Johnny said, is is set in dark days when the judges ruled. They were dark days because God's own people had abandoned him and his rule. And so God, he provided judges to save them from the hands of enemies. But it was a period that was characterised by violence, idolatry, poor morals, civil war. It was a mess. Here are the words that end the book of Judges, just over the page. Judges 21, verse 25. Words that are repeated right the way through the book. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what they wanted. No king meant no one to love, No one to rule, no one to govern. It was carnage, it was chaos. That was the state of God's place. But Ruth, the book of Ruth, it zooms in on one particular family's trials and tragedies. Elimelech and Naomi, they're in a mess. But it's in this dark season, dark time for this family, that the brightness of God's provision shines and so it's a great book for us 
Because in the book of Ruth, there's nothing that you'd call miraculous. And yet, God is obviously at work. The storyline, it's real and gritty, painful. And yet, you can't deny that God is good. And so it's really helpful for us to see what it looks like to walk in faith in a time that looks like a mess, in God's ordinary provision. Maybe you're sat in the room this afternoon and it's easy to feel like God's not working in your life right now. Maybe you're tempted to wonder, is God ignoring my current situation? Maybe you're tempted to ask, is God really good? Ruth helps us to navigate the messiness and recognise God in the mess. And this afternoon, as we look at chapter one, we're going to see three simple scenes. I've called them the run, the return and the welcome. So first, the run. When things get messy, what do the family do? They turn and run. Look at verse one. There's a famine in the land. It shows just how bad things are. Actually, in this period of time, there, there was cycles where God showed his judgment on his people in incidents like this. Things spiral out of control where God uses his judgment to bring his people back to him. There's a famine in the land, Bethlehem, that town in its language translates as the house of bread israel the the place of god's people was supposed to be the land flowing with milk and honey there's an irony to the fact that there is no food for the people and so we zoom in on this particular family in verse two they want to escape the mess That's the context of the story, a culture that rejects God and his rule. The people do what's right in their own eyes. You could well say the same of our culture today. It's tolerant. Everyone does as they see fit. Everything's accepted. Everything, that is, except the claim of exclusive truth, that God is in complete control and that his rule and his design is best look at verse two this is where we get to grips we get a a bit more knowledge about this family we're introduced to elimelech his name means my god is king but do you see what he does he turns away from god and goes to a place called moab moab was the land of god's enemies and Maybe you you look at what's going on and you think, well, him and his family, they're in a place with no food. It's kind of understandable, isn't it, that they fled, they looked elsewhere. Is it not just a pragmatic decision? They're facing real tragedy, and so they take matters into their own hands to move away from a land in crisis and in famine. But he's forgotten that God's people have been told to stay. God had promised to bless them there. But Elimelech and his family turn and run. 
It's a bleak picture. It's bleak in some of the details. Marlon and Killian, their names translate as sickness and dying. Marlon and Killian, then as they flee, they get settled in Moab. They marry Moabitesses. They might have first moved for respite from famine. You could say, oh, maybe they were just looking for food. But when they move, they certainly settle. You see, the decision is to turn and run from God. It's an active decision to seek their own solution. It's a rejection of God and his goodness. It's not trusting that God will deliver his people. When things seem to be a mess, they turn their back. They run. And then in three short verses, verses three to five, we see everything go wrong for Naomi. Her husband dies, her her sons marry Moabites, and then they die as well. And you see, just have a look at verse 5. Here's the result for Naomi. Just look down. Naomi is left without. In fact, in the original translation, it just says, the woman was left without. Because in that culture, that's exactly what happened. She became an unnamed woman unprotected, vulnerable, uncared for in an unfamiliar land. They as a family had put their hope in a a fresh start, a new culture, a new hope, but all it led to was emptiness. They've actively chosen to go against God's way and turning against God will always lead to unhappiness because God's design is the best thing for his people And he is faithful and in complete control. And and maybe you read through the first five verses or you listened as you heard it read. And you think, well, well, hold on. What about this family? What were they meant to do? What's God actually doing? It's a mess. And maybe if you know the story, you can kind of look forward and say, well, God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He's going to get there in the end. But there's no doubt three small verses of the story, which translate to ten whole years of Naomi's life, it it would have been really, really hard. Things can't get much worse for Naomi, it seems. But the right response is never to turn and run from God. The family run from God and Naomi faces a triple bereavement. I wonder what's the thing that leaves you asking that question. God, what are you doing? When you can't seem to work out why that circumstance has come to you, when you're not sure what he's saying in reply to your prayers, whatever that thing is that leaves you tempted to sack in Christianity, to call it quits, to lose your head with the Christian faith, Are you going to turn and run from God? Because we see that turning your back and running from God, it it always leads to catastrophe. And running to find hope in something else, somewhere else, it always leads to emptiness. Maybe you can think of a friend or family member that that once seemed to trust in Jesus and, and something happened. 
Maybe it was some calamitous event. Maybe it was some life circumstance. Maybe it was just a string of decisions. And they seem to have turned their back on God. And it's desperately sad. And you think, how can that happen? But the sad reality is that turning from God in any circumstance and trying to find hope and security anywhere else, it will always lead to disaster. That's scene one, the the run. Let's have a look at scene two, the return. Look down at verse six. See, at the same time, Naomi hears that God has brought food to his people. She, She sets out to come back. But on her way, she happens to notice that She's got nothing to offer. It's like it it suddenly dawns on her as she's walking back with her two daughters-in-law. Hold on, I can't just walk back to God now. She has nothing to offer Ruth and Orpah and she has no means to stay in Moab by herself. And so look at verse 13. She says, No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. And at that, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But look at Ruth. Ruth clung to her. Look, in the context of this story, this is most bizarre. To Ruth, a foreigner, a widow, someone who (laughs) the Lord has turned against, Naomi says, She wants to return to her homeland. Ruth still has hope. Ruth still has things to live for. To go with Naomi, an old, empty, bitter foreigner, it makes no logical sense for Ruth. But for some reason, Ruth clings to her. And here's what she says, verse 16. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. I mean, that is absolutely radical commitment to your mother-in-law, whatever. But in the context, it is unbelievable Her words, your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Right in the middle of her commitment to Naomi, it tells us why she's doing it. She is reflecting the covenant God has made with his people. I will be your God and you shall be my people. Ruth is expressing her commitment to Naomi, is expressing her commitment to Naomi's God. These verses, they're they're all about the return back to God. In this little conversation there, the Hebrew verb to return or to turn appears 12 times. But do you see how the return of Naomi to God's land, it's characterised by Ruth and her radical love and commitment to Naomi. When there was nothing attractive about Naomi, Ruth clung to her. When Naomi knew she could contribute nothing to her two daughters-in-law, Ruth clung to her. I wonder 
What stops you from returning to God when you know you've not lived his way? Embarrassed? Ashamed that you've strayed from him? Feeling like you can't contribute anything on your return? Feel like you're not worth it? Not sure what God could do with someone like you? Maybe still bitter about the experience you've had? Ruth's love for Naomi is a picture of God's love for his people. When there was nothing worthy or lovely about us, he gives himself for us. If you've been running away from God, if you've been straying from God, if you're prone to forgetting what he's like, there's an invitation. Return to him. Not because you deserve it, not because you're worthy, not because of what you can bring, but because God has a radical love for his people. God remains faithful even to a people who reject him. Maybe sat in the room this afternoon, you've been running for some time. Maybe there's an area of life that you know you failed to give to him. You've been living like he doesn't know what's best for you. You've been living like he doesn't work for your good in all things. Whether you've been disobedient or bitter, the invitation is there for you to return to the faithful God. And that's what we see Ruth and Naomi do. They return. Sometimes a bit awkward, isn't it, when you return to seeing someone that you haven't seen for a long time. I was uh, in Centre Parks uh, a couple of weeks back with my wider family, and the most awkward moment probably was standing in the children's pool and seeing my swimming teacher that I had not seen for 25 years. She'd taught me and my sister, which made it more awkward because my sister was a star swimmer and I was not. Um, I had a particular issue of not being able to listen very well. I'm convinced still that it was because of a hearing issue. There's some debate about that in our family. But it was horrendously awkward because there was me, my mum and my sister all in the little kids' pool at Centre Park. Awkward enough. But as I looked at the, the swimming teacher I hadn't seen for 25 years, there was a kind of pang of uncomfortability that came in my stomach because I knew... We left on bad terms. Uh, my sister carried on swimming, getting all her badges on the Mickey Mouse towel. She's got all the, all the badges all the way around. Mine is uh, more than... Yeah, I mean, there's very few on there. Um, but, but, but the reason was because I struggled in the swimming context and I was quite happy to waltz away from swimming to go to Paul Della's football class and wave goodbye to my swimming teacher. And as I stood there, as we returned to her site, it was awkward. Maybe you can think of an awkward return. That feeling where you're just unsettled, you're, you're nervous, you're unnerved by the return of people. Maybe you've seen it in a work context as someone that comes back to visit that's left on awkward terms or in a sports club or in a family situation after some kind of argument that horrible situation as you kind of walk into that meeting and and there's an unnervous there's an unnerve about you how will 
Ruth and Naomi be received, they return. We want to see how they'll be welcomed, not just by the people, but by God. Well, let's have a look at scene three, the welcome. Naomi's been away for over ten years. You can't quite work out, as you read the verses, the people's response. They seem to be excited, but, but not quite sure if it's her. Can this really be Naomi? Can it, has she really come back? Is this really her? And Naomi's reply, the Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. You see, Naomi has recognised that running from God, trying to find life elsewhere, it only results in emptiness. And you see, we get to this point, and even up to the point of verse 21, it would seem like tragedy has triumphed in this story. You could still ask, where is God in the mess? And at that point, as you ask that question, we've got two options. Does your view of God shape the way you view your circumstances? Or does your view of your circumstances shape the way you view God? They're the two options. Does your view of God shape the way you view your circumstances? Or does your view of your circumstances shape the way you view God? Because there's a danger. We go broken car, sickness, bereavement, family issues, tiredness, depression injury, job loss, house fallen through, COVID, our circumstances that we really experience. Well, if they're happening to me, God can't be that good. We let our circumstances shape our view of God rather than our view of God shape the way we view our circumstances. Broken car, Sickness, anxiety, bereavement, depression, injury, house fallen through, COVID. They are circumstances that our good God uses to bring his people to cling to him. God in his good purposes has brought Naomi back to cling to him. And the only clue in this chapter that this might be a good thing, is in verse 22. Have a look. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Naomi and Ruth re-enter the house of bread just as the shelves are being restocked. God is welcoming those who cling to him in the most hopeless of hopeless situations, he provides. He is the Lord of the harvest. And he keeps his covenant promises to his people. There's hope because of God's loving kindness. We see a snapshot of that in how Ruth commits to Naomi. And maybe you could ask, well, if God is always completely in control for the good of his people, what does that good look like? Because you could read this story and go, well, our God's always going to give bread to his people. Well, we see ultimately through the radical commitment of the Lord Jesus. Because this account 
is tucked away in the Old Testament because this is the family line that David will be born into, from which God's ultimate rescue plan will be revealed. When Naomi was left alone, with no hope of continuing a family, we could just as easily say, how is God going to deliver his people as a whole? And so as we see how God's at work to deliver this family, it must point forward to the way in which God ultimately rescues his people. We see, as we look at the big picture of the story, that God remains faithful to his covenant promises. And we see in the wider narrative that God's great rescue is how he is faithful to us. But there will be, for sure, times where we can't see that. We can't see it in the details of life yet. And when you ask the question, what's God doing? We're meant to recognise Jesus, who came in the line of David, the descendant of Naomi, in this little town of Bethlehem, to an undeserving people. God shows his sacrificial love as he gives his own son to a people that have rejected him. God made a way that he would be our God and that we could be his people. What does that good look like? Romans 8 says our good is being called to become like Jesus. So because of the saving work of the Lord Jesus, who the book of Ruth is pointing to, God brings new birth and gives every circumstance that by his spirit his people would become more like him. Whatever circumstance it is that is most troubling you right now as you sit in the room, the thing that came to your mind in those 10 seconds at the beginning, the thing that's clouding your thinking, even maybe now, tragedy, disaster, pain, suffering, setback, mishap. God will use all of those to bring his people to cling to him and ultimately will show his radical love for his people. It might not be the immediate answer to our prayers that we expect. Naomi experiences 10 years of bitterness before being brought back to the house of bread. What keeps you following Jesus in the, in the face of those things? Well, either we believe that God is in complete control of every circumstance, including our suffering, and he has a good purpose for us, or the alternative is that these things happen as a course of random events. God's shown us his radical love and his ultimate deliverance in the Lord Jesus. We see that in Ruth chapter 1. Often we couldn't possibly know the specifics of how our circumstances right now will turn out for our good. Naomi would never have guessed what would come from her triple bereavement because God, in his God is in control as she's suffering just as he's in control of her rescue. As we step back and look at the big picture of chapter 1 in the mess of God's people, they do what they please. 
They can't see what God is doing. In the shock of this family running from God, in the trauma of deaths, in the tragedy of them being left on their own, God, in his grace, is at work. He's at work in the lives of Ruth and Naomi. He's at work to redeem this family. And chapter 1, it finishes with a new hope. We, we ask the question, will Ruth find a husband? If we read it for the first time, we end here. Will Ruth find a husband? Will the family line extend? Will Naomi's bitterness be sorted? Well, God's at work. And in the face of the mess, for us, whatever it is that causes us to ask that question, God, what are you doing? The questions are the same. Will you turn and run? Or will you return and cling to him? Because God welcomes those who cling to him and he remains faithful to his people. Let me pray for us. Father, please would you help us. Please would you help us in the room, in whatever circumstances are going on in our lives right now, to recognise that God, you are good, that you are in control, and that you work out all things for the good of those who love you. Lord, please would you cause us to cling to you in all that goes on. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together, um, as surely as the dawn, because of God's faithfulness and provision, we can sing. There's comfort for the weary, hope for all who stray. That's true for us, as we trust in this same faithful God for us, as he was for Ruth and Naomi. Bless them. Surely as the dawn will come, as certain.